Hi, and welcome to The Movie Girls, a podcast from two friends dedicated to answering the age-old question, which was better, the book or the movie? I'm Rosha. And I'm Hannah. And we're back. We're back. (laughs) Thank you. We know we were gone for a week. You know, full disclosure, I did get COVID, but I'm okay. I'm okay, and Rosha's still safe, and I'm still safe. So yes, we're we happy wanted to be, be we wanted to be smart about it. So yes. we took a week off, and we're technically six feet apart right now, just to be yes. safe. But everybody's good, so we're we're getting <laughs> we're ready to go again. Just a quick reminder: we are on Patreon. So if you want to become a patron, all you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash the booby girls. And this week's shout out is to Lucas, and Lucas is a big fan of the the title we're doing. Right, that's why we picked him as the shout out today. Yes. <laughs> Yes, he is our silent partner. (laughs) (laughs) And that book and movie is Ready Player One. So the... Oh, sorry. We haven't done this in a while. We haven't. It might be a little bumpy road. Um, I have titled this one Game Over because I'm terrible at any sort of video game, oh, yeah. VR stuff, and that's the only thing I ever see. Um, this isn't a spoiler, but I was lost this entire book and movie. Like, <laughs> right. what? I, these references are go way over my head. Right. And I told you that I was happy I actually watched this movie with Boyfriend Ray because he's like a pop culture like mm. guru, and he pointed out so many things that I was like... I have no idea what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the book was originally published August 16th, 2011, and it's written by Ernest Cline. It got a Goodreads rating of 4.26 out of 5. So that's that's pretty good. Yeah. What did you give it? I think I gave it a 3 or a 4. I want to say it was a 4. Yeah. And it's 374 pages. And the movie just came out in 2018, so fairly new. It's not on Redbox anymore, though. (laughs) But we actually own the DVD of this one. Uh, It's rated PG-13. It's an action-adventure sci-fi, two hours and 20 minutes long, uh, directed and produced by the world-famous Steven Spielberg. Uh, This is actually his most recent film that he's done. And he actually said that this was the third most difficult film that he's ever done in his career. Really? um, Behind Jaws and Saving Private Ryan. Oh. And it was screenwritten by Zach Penn, who did uh, Lego Marvel Avengers, <laughs> The Incredible Hulk, uh, The Avengers, uh, X-Men Last Stand, and X2 X-Men United. So he's Ooh. kind of the sci-fi superhero guy. X2 is my favorite. <laughs> and and then it was also um, co-written by uh, Ernest Cline as well. Nice. So the IMDb synopsis reads, when the creator of a virtual reality called The Oasis dies, he makes a posthumous... Do I say that right? Posthumous? I don't even know what that means. What it's does like that mean? After you die. Sure. Okay. Posthumous. <laughs> Challenge to all Oasis users to find his Easter egg, which will give the finder his fortune and control of his world. Were you so excited? Because I feel like you use the term Easter egg a lot. I do. And the fact that this revolves around an Easter Everything. egg. Everything. <laughs> yes. Well, and before I... I had never watched the movie before we, we read this book, and... I read somewhere that they said it was like a Matrix meets Willy Wonka. Uh-huh. And that's exactly what this ends up being. Totally. 100%. So, <laughs> so some fun facts about the book. This is Ernest Klein's debut novel. Um, something that I thought was super cool. So 10 months after the first edition of the book was released, Klein revealed on his blog that the book itself has an Easter egg hidden in it. So oh. they, they announced that there's an actual competition and the winner who was, was able to solve it would win a DeLorean. 
Did so, some, has someone won it? Yeah. So in 2012, a guy by the name of Craig Queen won the won the game by setting the new world record for the game Joust, and he won the DeLorean. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that so cool? That's really cool. Yeah, I, I love awesome. people's minds, man. I know. I love how they work. I mean, way further than mine works. Oh, yeah. Geniuses. <laughs> so cool. And then the other uh, quick fun fact is uh, Ready Player Two, the novel, was actually just released Tuesday of this week. It's like we planned it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I have a fun fact about the book, actually, to add to your list. I, when I was doing some research, uh, you know, Oculus, the VR company that, mm-hmm. you know, you see those white goggles and whatever. Yeah. I guess in their new employee handbook, they get a, a copy of Ready Player One, the book. To, oh. So they can envision all the possibilities of VR. That's cool. Which makes me think that we could be living like Ready Player One at some point. I mean, I wouldn't. Put it past the world. (laughs) (laughs) So the movie has a 72% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty good, especially for this type of movie. People seem to be a little bit more cynical of sci-fi action Mm -hmm. type type movies. But I also think, and we'll get into it later, the movie adaptation had some ruffled feathers. True. (laughs) Uh, The budget for the movie was $175 million and uh, worldwide grossed um, almost $600 million. Wow. So it did pretty well. Um, I feel like it was a very understated movie. Like I know people who saw it and loved it uh, and then some people still have no idea what this is. I think it's because it's niche. Like to my point earlier, I'm not a big, you know, video gamer. So when the movie came out, I was just kind of like, Okay, sounds cool for people who like video yeah. games, but yeah. obviously for the sake of this podcast, we, we watched it. It makes me sad it. I didn't see it in the theater. Because, you know, I love cooler. going to the theater, mm-hmm. and this is one that I wish I could have seen on the big for screen. Sure. So maybe it'll come out. Who knows? There's no <laughs> movies in theaters right now. That's so. a good point. <laughs> uh, so like I said uh, a little bit ago that this was kind of a, you know, a combination between The Matrix meets Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. They actually, Steven Spielberg tried to get Gene Wilder to come out of retirement to make an appearance in the movie. Uh, he did turn it down. Because I don't sad. know why. I don't know why. It would have <laughs> been awesome. Uh, but to his fans' delight, the um, intro bell to the song Pure Imagination is heard in the trailer of the movie. That's awesome. So, so people are, you know, you didn't get him, but you got a little <laughs> bit of Willy Wonka. Uh, the movie was released December 15th, 2017, uh, or it was supposed, that's when it was supposed to be released, but they ended up pushing it back to March 30th to avoid competition with Star Wars episode, oh gosh, Boyfriend Night's going to be mad, eight, I think, The Last Jedi. <laughs> Is it because it's in Roman numerals? Yeah, I struggle. <laughs> it's a V with three eyes. You got it right. Wow, episode eight. Well, I figured it wasn't episode two. <laughs> um... So probably a smart decision. For sure. Especially in this genre, Star Wars is going to take it at any time. Well, yeah. But ironically enough, though, the date that they ended up pushing it back to was, like I said, March 30th, which was actually Easter that year. Oh, nice. So, which Easter eggs were are the big theme yeah. of the entire movie. It's also my mom's birthday. Happy Not, birthday, no relation. Mama Roche. <laughs> uh, but so, uh, in the movie, there's actually over 100 Easter eggs throughout the film, which I'm like, I don't know how you could catch. You could watch this movie 10 times and right. find something new. And actually, one of the very first Easter eggs is actually hidden in the logo of the movie. Oh. Because the logo is actually a maze, and at the, when you get to the O... In the logo, there's an Easter egg in the middle of it. Huh. So. Yeah, I would never have gotten that. The detail in this movie, man, I tell you. 
So Ready Player One was actually optioned for the film before the book was even released. So it was one of those things that we think is so crazy that Mm -hmm. these movies are becoming adaptations before the books are even on the shelves. Uh, And Ernest Cline, who's the author of the book, he really he wanted to do the do the adaptation completely himself, but he felt like his initial job was to make sure he wrote the book really well. So he ended up. Uh, he ended up having someone else help him with it because he wanted to make sure that he started with the book first and then try to help out with the adaptation later on. Well, and to get someone like Steven Spielberg to make your movie. Right. Like, that's crazy. Right. After your first book that that you haven't even finished yet. (laughs) Right. It's wild. Klein actually, like I said, he really, really wanted to do it. But when we're talking that the movie was put as an option, it was only 48 hours between when those books and when the book and the movie were optioned. Wow. So he really didn't have a whole lot of time to even decide. Yeah. So I think he probably did the right thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got to say like, this was your baby was to, to have the book first instead of the movie. There's $600 million that say that it was the right thing. Right. To do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so one of the scenes that we will get into, which might go down as one of my top 10 scenes ever in a movie is the shining scene that we that we um get in the movie however that was not supposed to be the movie that was supposed to be portrayed they actually wanted to get blade runner to be the scene that they showed Mm. but they actually refused to the studio refused to do it because blade runner uh 2049 was just about to be released so they said they ended up settling for (laughs) for stephen king's the shining and i'm like (laughs) I think you did okay with that. Yeah. Selfishly, I'm glad they went with The Shining. <laughs> so one of the scenes that we get in the movie is the zero gravity dance mm-hmm. scene that we will talk about. It's kind of a weird scene. Well, initially it was never supposed to be in the movie at all. Uh, but Steven Spielberg loved it in the book so much that he said that, no, 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 we have to do it. And so they they rewrote it to, to be able to be in the That's good. The I like that scene in the book. And they said that the, one of the reasons they didn't, want it in the movie initially because because it was gonna be too much money to right. do and evidently spielberg was like i don't care spielberg doesn't care about money <laughs> he's like we're gonna do it because i said we're gonna do it yeah. <laughs> so one of the one of the things that i always wondered which i still need to research is in the book there's so many pop culture references mm-hmm. to movies to video games like i don't like they don't have to pay the rights to use those in a book, right? That's a very good question. I would love to know that. I I mean, I can probably Google it, but I would feel like probably not. If it's just a mention, I wouldn't think so. Right. But But we do know in movies, you have to pay up. Yep. And so that was one of the biggest hurdles because, you know, this movie had so, or the book had so many references that they weren't going to be able to bring all of them. Um, Warner Brothers, who did the movie, actually had the rights to the Iron Giant and Batman. So those were obviously... Mm -hmm. Um, givens, but they really struggled and had to ask permission for the Back to the Future references for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, but they said, luckily, Steven Spielberg is pretty good at negotiating. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he is his influence really helped along. That doesn't that surprise me at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this is, again, one of these movies that I mean, there's so much backstory and that you could read for days about mm-hmm. stuff about this movie. So, but those are a couple things that I thought were, were interesting. Mm-hmm. So the cast of the movie. So 
do you, do we want to use their real names? Do you want to use their avatar names? Let's go with avatar names. <laughs> okay. So Parsival, mm-hmm. who is the main character in the movie, uh, he, he's played by Ty Sheridan. Um, he's Cyclops in uh, X-Men, Dark Phoenix, and Apocalypse. Uh, and he also made cameos in uh, Deadpool 2 as Cyclops, uh, which I don't really remember him. I love Deadpool, <laughs> but I don't remember him totally. Uh, and he's actually, he was on Variety Magazine's top 10 actors to watch oh. as like an upcoming actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the book, he's kind of an overweight, nerdy kid. Yeah, Ty is not. No, he's actually pretty cute <laughs> yeah he's pretty cute he's still he's like dorky type mm-hmm. cute um because he's kind of like a bigger nose but i mean i thought he did a great job i did too i really liked him i haven't seen him in anything else but for what the role called for i thought he did a good job yeah you should see him in the x-men i thought you liked x-men yeah the originals okay well watch these ones i think you'd like them okay <laughs> so artemis who is another you know, one of the higher gamers in the book and the movie and is kind of Parsifal's love interest. I, I guess you'd say is played by Olivia cook. Um, she's in Bates motel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, this, uh, role was actually up. Elle Fanning was up for this role. Wow. Um, and Lola Kirk, who I'm not, ex- I'm not totally familiar with, but those two were the ones that were competing for this, but it ended up, um, going to Olivia. I like her a lot. I liked her in Bates motel. Um, it's so hard for me because, like, when I see somebody, especially the people in Bates Motel, like, I can never look at Norman Bates' character because right. he, he's in that show Good Doctor. And I'm like, no, you're Norman Bates. Why are you at a hospital? Anyway. Right. Um, so it was hard for me to kind of transfer over. But for the most part, I thought she did a pretty good job. Yeah. And I like that they, because um, in the book, they reference that her avatar does look a lot like her with yeah. the exception of her birthmark. So I like that they kept it that way. And yeah. She actually basically looks identical to her avatar. Yeah. I thought she did a great job. Uh, so Sorrento, who is the bad guy, the villain of of the movie, is played by Ben Mendelssohn. <laughs> I sure. totally butchered it. I'm sorry. <laughs> he was in The Outsider. He was in Rogue, Rogue One, uh, Captain Marvel, The Dark Knight Rises. And he's been acting since uh, like 1984. So mm-hmm. he's been around for a long time. I know who he is. I've seen a lot of his other work. His voice drives me nuts really he kind of had not no offense to anyone who has a lisp like Mm -hmm. but i feel like it's hard sometimes to like not that's what i pay attention to Mm -hmm. when he's talking and that's what i think about when he's talking so it takes a while for me to to like get over that i guess i'm not sure you know but i like him a lot he was in a show on netflix called bloodline Uh um and he was like he, he was basically like the like does nothing brother who everybody kind of hates. Um, but I, every role I've seen him in, he does a very, very good job. The, his role in The Outsider is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, that book is really good, by the way. But yeah, I liked him a lot and I thought he did a really good job in this role. He's a jerk. <laughs> right. <laughs> his but, character is a jerk. <laughs> but that's the point and he did yeah. a good job. <laughs> so H, who is Parsifal's best friend mm-hmm. in in the virtual world, they have never met in real life, is played by Lena Waith or Waith? 
I believe you pronounce it. Uh, she's from Chicago. Uh, she's really no- more known for her writing and producing. And this was her big screen debut. Um, but she acted in Westworld, Dear White People, and um, Master of None. Mm-hmm. On She actually wrote she wrote that as well. So, so oh, she, she co-wrote it? Yeah. Oh, nice. So she's, she's very talented. Yeah, so like it was her. cool that she got to actually be in a movie other than just like TV series. Yeah, so, so she was a, um, not a cameo, but she in the new season of Westworld with... <laughs> Of all people, Marshawn Lynch. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they were like a tag this is team why duo. I, that's why I stopped watching. <laughs> yeah, they they were a tag team duo. But yeah, she's really funny um, in, in general. But I, I liked her in this role. Yeah, I thought she was great. And and the character, you know, is portrayed as an avatar as a male, mm-hmm. a giant male, a giant male. So and then, but I thought it, the you know she translated so well to mm-hmm. you know because we do find out that it's actually a girl. Um, but I thought she was perfect. Yeah. So Irock, his character is very different between the book and the movie. Yeah. He's kind of just like a, jer- a bully at school. Uh, in the movie, they turn him into the villain sidekick, basically. Also the comedic value yeah, in Yeah, he's movie. great. <laughs> it's, play- he- it's played by TJ Miller, who I think is hilarious. Mm-hmm. He was in Deadpool 1 and 2, uh, the Emoji movie, Silicon Valley, um, Office Christmas Party, Gravity Falls, Big Hero 6, How to Train Your Dragon. He's in Big Hero 6? Yeah, he's one of the voices. Oh my gosh, that's so good. <laughs> and he was also in Cloverfield. So he kind of has that. I mean, that's always type of his role. Mm-hmm. You know, in Deadpool, he's like the funny bartender. You, you know? haven't seen Silicon Valley, have you? I have not. He is hilarious. And I love his voice. Show. Yes. <laughs> love it. You Like right off the bat, you know who this person is. For sure. <laughs> I actually liked how they actually included him in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was because he's not a big part in the book at all. No. So I thought they, they transitioned that one very well. Ogden Morrow, who is one of the creators of the oasis is played by simon Pegg. he was in the boys star trek ice age or all the ice ages i like him who does he play in ice age i don't know one of the animals (laughs) cool i'll google it later (laughs) yeah uh but yeah his again his part is more predominant in the movie than it was in the book Mm -hmm. um but i thought he was good he's like a nice friendly guy yeah so That's all I have for him. That's all you have to say. <laughs> uh, so H- Holiday, who is the other creator of the Oasis, is played by Mark Rylance. Um, he won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Role in Bridge of Spies in 2015. Um, he was in Dunkirk, the BFG, the other Bowling Girl. Uh, and they actually wanted Michael Keaton to be playing this oh. role, which would have been good too. Yeah. But I mean, this guy's an Academy Award winner, so. Right. But I've literally never heard of him or seen any of his movies. <laughs> He's got an Academy Award. <laughs> then he wins. Yeah. Uh, lastly, uh, I included Fennel Zandor, who is not in the book. I don't believe. I don't think so. Uh, she's another little sidekick of the villain. Mm-hmm. It's played by Hannah John Kamen. Um, she's been act. She's only been acting for about nine years, which isn't all that long. Uh, she's in Brave New World, The Stranger, which I know we both watched. Yes. Uh, she was in Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, Tomb Raider, Black Mirror, Game of Thrones. She kind of plays these like kind of darker characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like her. I a do. Lot. She's so pretty. She's gorgeous. Yeah, and I like her name. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think you're a little biased on that. Yeah, you know. <laughs> all right, time for our games. First up, we've got Who Said It. Um, just as a refresher, I'm going to give you a couple of quotes from the book and you have to tell me who said it. You ready? No, because it's been like four weeks since I read this book. I feel like these are pretty easy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. First up, competition brings out the best in me. It always has. And now I've got some serious competition. 
Artemis. Yes. That's my girl. <laughs> All right, next up. Think about it. With everything else that's going on in the world, do you think anyone will care about an explosion in some ghetto trash rat warren in Oklahoma City? Oof. So mean. Uh, that is... <laughs> he forgot his name. Sorrento. Yes. <laughs> I just scrolled through my notes. Uh, all right, last one. No one in the world ever gets what they want, and that is beautiful. Parcel. Yes. <laughs> I knew you had to throw them in there once. Well, yeah. All right. F. Mary Kill. Your three options are Parcival, Artemis, and Sorrento. And yes, they are age appropriate because by the end of the book, they're 18. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, who is it? Parcival, okay. Artemis, and Sorrento. Okay. Um, I'm going to marry Artemis because she's like a badass. Mm-hmm. And like, honestly... She could she could have won this whole competition without these boys. The boys totally. the boys needed her. Totally. <laughs> um I'm gonna kill Sorrento because he's a <laughs> dirtbag. Uh and then I'll play some games with uh Percival. Sounds good. I am going to do a little swapsies. I will also kill Sorrento because nobody needs <laughs> that energy. But I'm going to marry Percival because I just feel like he's, you know, he's a really sweet guy. And, and- he's a lot of money now. That too. (laughs) And I'll play some games with Artemis because she's a good game player. (laughs) So watching this movie, I don't know if you got these vibes, but I was like, I feel like this is how our world is right now. Totally. We're headed towards. (laughs) Like it was a little, not scary to watch, but I was like, man, with everything going on in the world Mm -hmm. right now, I'm like, this might be where we're headed. Like half the day, I feel like I'm just living in a virtual screen (laughs) talking to people, you know, I barely know how to talk to people like in person anymore and in your new job half your people don't even live in the same city no i'm just i literally stare at a screen all day i almost feel like they should um allow us to make work avatars Ooh, <laughs> wouldn't that be cool i like that then i don't have to worry about what i wear every day right and it can talk for us it can do all that maybe that's where we're headed <laughs> oculus is working on it <laughs> so the movie opens up it's the year 2045 in columbus ohio uh, and we're in the stacks, which is, I guess you want to say like kind of the ghetto. Yeah. It's kind of like a trailer park. It's setting. like a h- hyper crazy trailer park. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I love that visual. Like right off the bat, you're like, all right, this is going to mm-hmm. be cool visually, no matter what happens in this yeah. movie. Uh, and then you just kind of see, they do like a, you know, a scan of the stacks and it's everybody in their homes with these goggles on, with mm-hmm. these gloves on, and everybody's playing virtual reality. And I'm like, if there was a drone flying around everyone at home these days, it would be like, everyone's looking at their computer. Right. Everyone's, you know, on their... You're so right about you that. You know, it's just weird to think about. And we get to see sweet Mrs. Gilmore. So cute. So cute. I loved her. Did you, while watch, or reading the book, did, for some reason I felt like the way they described it, it felt like the trailers were just literally sitting on top on of top each of other. On top of each other. I know. I know. <laughs> Which, I mean, kind of, that's how it was, too, a little bit, but... But they were, like, more... They had, like, ladders and, like, separation between them. (laughs) True. Basically, I feel like it's just, like, our apartment... I mean, we basically live on top of each other. That's true. The people above me are pretty loud. I bet the people below you say the same thing. (laughs) That's not nice. (laughs) Uh, Right off the bat, though, different than the book, because the book actually starts in Oklahoma City, where... um, Parcival is from. So in the movie, they're already in Columbus, which I thought that was interesting. No time. Let's just get there. Let's get there. (laughs) Uh, So we get to see Wade's hideout. So he has kind of his own little area in a 
old van, I think it is. Mm-hmm. That he kind of, because he doesn't have the best home situation, so we get to see his little hideout area where he goes to go to school and just kind of hang out and play in the Oasis. Um, And I was like, man, I wish I had that as a kid. But also not that hideout, because at any given moment, those cars could literally crush him. Oh, absolutely. So the fact that he felt comfortable in there, he's fine. (laughs) But then we get our first look at the Oasis. So he puts on his VR goggles, and he's in the Oasis, and I was like, this is sweet. Yeah. Like, sign me up. I want to go there. <laughs> Which maybe we will. But it says, you know, he talks about how they stay there because they get to be the people that they can't be outside in right. the real world. And I mean, come on. Like, how, how? Like that's how a lot of things happen here, too. People go online mm-hmm. and act like the people that they, you know, want to be or right. think that people want them to be. So... I mean, this movie gets deep if you want it to. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to see Wade's avatar for the very first time. It wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a little bit more like of a beefier guy. <laughs> he's just kind of like cool, but he's like still kind of like a littler type guy. Yeah. I was like, that's that's what you went with? I know. But I loved his hair more than anything. <laughs> I know. It was like hair that like blew in the wind without any wind. But then, And then we also get we get introduced to H very quickly mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's my favorite avatar. Like just a big ass, like bro. <laughs> and like, but then we right off the bat get to meet Daito and Cho. Mm-hmm. They're like their best friends, which in the book, not they're like not They're They don't even know them. No, they essentially, I think they're, they're from Japan, correct? Yes. Yeah. And the only reason that they all meet, we'll talk about later is because they all get past the first key and because they they get make it to the leaderboard, they have this like, you know, pact, I guess, between the, the top five that, that go into the first gate first. Um, but yeah, it was interesting to see that they just introduced them. Again, they probably do it just to save time. Right. But I, I thought that was weird. And we find out that, you know, you can die in the Oasis, you know virtually right your avatar can die. <laughs> your avatar can die um and you just basically lose all your status and all the coins and everything mm-hmm. that you've gathered so that's like a big thing that you just don't want to die but we get to find out you're like okay why would you be dying but then we find out that holiday was the creator of the oasis he has now died uh and he's hidden an easter egg somewhere in the oasis and if you are the first person to find it, you win a half a trillion dollars and you get to control the Oasis. Half a trillion. Chump change. Chump change. <laughs> uh, but they explain that there's three keys, three challenges, and three gates that will lead to that Easter egg. I mean, that's probably the biggest difference between the book and the movie are these keys and the challenges and these gates mm-hmm. um, because they're portrayed very differently between the book and the movie. So yeah. we will try our best to explain them. Yeah. I was watching the movie and I would told Roche, I was like, make sure you're taking notes because this is wildly different. Well, and again, I'm not a whiz when it comes to video games. So I felt so dumb. I'm like, what, what, what am I reading right yeah. now? So I just took notes and hopefully you can help me out if I miss anything. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we see them. They're at like a racetrack and and there's a voiceover talking about how the hunt has began for this Easter egg and it's been five years and no one has even made it past. No one has found the first key. Mm-hmm. And this whole th- and this we get the idea that there's these people called the Gunters 
who are just kind of normal people looking for right. for the key. It's like a me and a you. We're going to hopefully get a trillion dollars. It's like when we, you know, played Pokemon Go. Basically. We're trying to find all of the <laughs> Basically. Uh, so, and then there's this other group of people and they're called the Sixers and from the IOI. And it's this basically like giant company who has all these people trying, have hired all these people to find the egg for them. Because they want control of the Oasis mm-hmm. more than anything. Uh, in the book, they actually have a, another level of of people. It's like Gunters who have combined together to make these teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, they take that out of the movie, which is fine. Because I don't think they play a huge role in the book. Not really. Um, but we go straight into the first challenge. And the first challenge in the movie is like... A Mario Kart race, yeah. basically. It's I felt like, like I was in um, Fast and the Furious. <laughs> right. Fast and the Furious meets Mario Kart meets Hot Wheels. Because it's everyone's like cars that they just wish they could right. have. And, you know, you see like everyone's crashing. Everyone's dying. Everyone's losing everything. And and Wade rolls up in the DeLorean. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's yeah, it's what a fake you- world. Of course he does. <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, I got a very like Mad Max feel from from the vibe of the of the race, which mm-hmm. that was cool. But there's like a giant T Rex from Jurassic Park. There's King Kong. There's all of this, right? Um, and then we get to meet Artemis in her in her motorcycle because she's a badass. Yeah, like I'd be <laughs> like, yeah, that's what I'm driving, you know. And basically, she flies into King Kong's like like grasp like (laughs) like and they end up like saving her because this whole this whole race is just like a death race or whatever but that's very different from the first challenge in the book yeah so i actually um made a point to write down all of the clues um because i really liked the, the the way that they were like phrased in the book so so basically the first clue is the original holiday message so that reads three hidden keys open three secret gates wherein the errant will be tested to worthy traits and those with the skill to survive these straits will reach the end where the prize awaits so that's the first thing that everybody gets so that's supposed to you know if you're a true fan you're supposed to find the clues within the, each of these um messages to figure out what it is so the very first key is located on the or the planet of ludus and what we find out is five years have gone by and nobody's figured this out come to find out parzival has been on this planet this entire time because it's where all the schools are correct which they take out of the movie there's no school no school (laughs) apparently all they do is just play games yeah um so yes it's the planet that all of the schools are on so he's already on the planet which is works to his benefit because he doesn't have a whole lot of money. So he's not able to kind Same, of, bro. Same. <laughs> he, Can't he makes, get off this planet. <laughs> he makes do with what he has, but he it, it works out to be to his advantage. So anyway, um, he, he gets to the location. It's like in the forest or the jungle. And it turns out to be that he has to win a game of Dungeons and Dragons to get to where he need you know, to go to the gate or whatever. Um, once he does, once he gets in, it's the final challenge is he has to play a game of joust against the, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this. The Aser, Aseric? <laughs> Nailed <know>. it. <laughs> Nailed it. We'll just say that that's how it is. And I'm just going to mention, you know, once he, once he gets that, that's actually when we, officially meet Artemis. Right. So in the movie, it's a little different. We meet her right off the bat, but he actually has to like finish the first challenge before he meets her. And then to get to the first gate, um, he plays the a game of war games, 
uh, which I guess was a movie. Again, not good at this. Um, but a he basically gets placed into a yes, movie. Yes, he he gets placed into the movie. He plays the character of David Lightman, who is actually played by Matthew Broderick in the actual movie. So he has to essentially go through the movie to reading get to it. First I've never day. seen that movie, mm-hmm. but it made me want to see that movie. Yeah, I thought it was. They cool. do a good job of like making you be like, "Ooh, that sounds interesting." Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that's kind of how the first key slash gate happens. Yeah, and in the movie, to get to this first key, you just have to figure out to get to the end of this racetrack Mm -hmm. and no one is able to figure out how to get through this racetrack they've all they've all been crashing they've all been dying um the bike that uh artemis was was driving is completely crushed Mm -hmm. come to find out h is like some like mechanic (laughs) who can fix everything so they go back and we we see them kind of that's kind of the time when they all become kind of a little bit of a group, mm-hmm. you know, they come become friends. They kind of decided that they may or may not work together. Cause everyone's like, they know that they need help. Right. Like no one's going to figure out this on their own, but there can only be one true. Exactly. Um, so, you know, we're trying to, they're trying to figure out their dynamics. So we get another scene where Parsifal goes back to the stacks and we find out that he lives with this aunt Alice, you know, he has kind of a rough life and, which is kind of why he escapes to the Oasis. And by the way, the aunt's boyfriend is a jerk. Dirtbag. <laughs> Complete dirtbag. So after we get to see his life in the stacks and how rough it is, we get this this other place that they go to quite a bit. They keep going back to this in the movie. This is not in the book at all. And they're Holiday's journals. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a building where they go in and they get to see vir- virtual replays of events in his life. Mm-hmm. And none of this happens in no. the book at all. The the Basically, the equivalent of this in the book is a journal that Parzival keeps because he has researched Halliday's life so extensively that he just has been, been journaling these past five years and figuring things out on his own. Yeah. But be- I liked this. It was cool. Basically, it was like a museum dedicated to him. Yeah, because they know that there's something within his life that will help them get to figure out mm-hmm. how to get through these clues. So he goes there and he watches a moment in in Halliday's life when he splits with his partner. So there was a point where Halliday and um, Ogden... They were together. They created this together, but then they decided to split because things weren't working out. He then at the end of this, he talks about why can't we go backwards, pedal to the metal as fast as we can. And for some reason that triggers, triggers uh, Parsifal and is like, I should run the race backwards. Mm-hmm. So we're back at the race, start of the Hot Wheels race again. <laughs> and everyone zooms forward. Well, Wade, Wade Parsifal <laughs> decides to go backwards. He's just going to gun it backwards and see what happens. And he does it in this, you know, basically track underneath everybody opens up and there's no King Kong. There's no T-Rex. And it takes him basically right into the finish line. Did you just say T-Rex instead of Godzilla? No, there's a T-Rex. Is it not Godzilla? No, it's the T-Rex from uh, Jurassic Park. Oh, well, I've never seen Jurassic Park, so I just assumed it was Godzilla. Don't worry, it's on our list. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I still can't believe you haven't seen Jurassic Park, but we will leave that for another day. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so he gets to the cl- he gets to the key first, and Artemis actually had seen him go backwards, so she was like, what in the world? He knows something he I He knows don't. something. <laughs> so it ends up being, though, that all of the his friends end up figuring out, and they all get the key right about the same time. 
But at the same time, the, the Sixers are pissed because mm-hmm. they've been trying so hard to get this. And so now they are like following Parcival because they want to know what he knows. Mm-hmm. They know that he figured something out. And, um, which is kind of what happens in the book. Yeah. 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 Cause once he gets the first, um, he gets through the first gate, it automatically updates and everyone can see that he's the person that got it. Yeah, so. exactly. And, and one of the reasons that why they don't want the Sixers to win is because if they take over the Oasis, they're basically going to turn it into just advertisements everywhere, mm-hmm. which is basically what the internet is these Correct. days, you know? So, <laughs> and they don't want that. They want it to be like normal life there, you know? So, but with getting the first key, Wade slash Percival has, he has no money to begin with. And now all of a sudden he wakes up and he has a crap ton of money. He now, not physical money. It's like coins in the Oasis. Uh, But you can actually buy real things with your coins. Which is so cool. Yeah. So he's able to buy all this brand new technology and the new gloves and all this stuff just because he was the first one to get to the key. And he just spends like all of it all at once. And I'm like, (laughs) same. I probably would have done the same thing. That's what I do on payday. Yeah. (laughs) So now we get to see Sorrento, who is the head of the Sixers. He actually goes into the Oasis as well. He has his own avatar. And this is where Irock comes in. And he has teamed up with the Sixers. He's basically like the hitman. And like I said, I really like what they did to his character. I thought it was like perfect. Yeah. In the book, he's basically some like low life, guy so it's it's important to mention so h in the movie has the um the repair shop yeah but in the book he has this virtual basement that is like mm-hmm. super decked out with like awesome stuff that people come to visit and they play games and stuff like that so in the book um i rock is at the basement and that's kind of they have like a scuffle and they get mad he tries to basically out Parsival when when he gets the first um to the first gate and that's really the extent of his like involvement in the book but yeah. I'm really glad that they gave him a bigger role yeah. in the movie yeah well and the actor just killed right. it <laughs> so but now there's five of them on this leaderboard so it's Parsival it's H it's Artemis and it's uh Cho and Daito mm-hmm. so they are now the high five that's what they kind of call these these top five people. Uh, and they kind of become famous. Parcival's like the most famous because he was the first one. Uh, and he like puts on a disguise in the <laughs> Oasis because he doesn't want to be noticed. And I just thought it was so funny. But when they got that first key, they were also given a clue. And the clue was escape your past. So they have to try to figure out what that means to lead them to the next key. And so they go back to the memories and they go to a memory where Holiday is on a date with Morrow's wife before they were, mm-hmm. <laughs> before they were a couple. And, um, and he's, he's there with Kira and he's just kind of a nerd who has no game and doesn't know what he's doing. And he basically like, you know, lets her walk away. Right. You know, and, and it was kind of hard to watch, but <laughs> cause I'm like, just go after her, bro. <laughs> uh, but, but at the same time, we then get to meet while he's watching this memory, we get introduced to the curator who's like kind of like a butler. Yes. I, I liked him. And they make some sort of bet. I can't remember what the bet was exactly, but he's like, I'll bet you a quarter if you, if you, if this happens mm-hmm. and Parcel's like, okay, like I have a ton of money now. A quarter's not anything. <laughs> so Parcel actually ends up winning this bet and the curator ends up flipping him this coin that he just puts into his, 
into his bank or whatever, and you mm-hmm. don't know what it is, but it comes into play at the end of the movie because yes. it's very important. Correct. So the next thing we get is Parcel's actually going on a date with Artemis, and she and his buddy H is like, you know, I'm gonna warn you, like, you know, don't don't meet people outside of the Oasis. Like, you know, just stick to, you know, the people, you know, keep your circle close, whatever. And of course, Parcel's like, it's fine. I'll figure it out. (laughs) So they go to the distracted globe, which is the zero gravity dance club. That place looked cool. I was like, Roche would love this. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Uh, But IROC shows up there. And because basically the Sixers are trying to basically kill the, Mm -hmm. the high five now. So they show up and, at the same time, they go to this club. They're at this club because they think that if there's like a, like a zero gravity pit and they think that the, the, that the key might be down there, that they have to take this leap Mm -hmm. and it will lead them to, to this clue, um, which ends up being wrong. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so anyways, it ends up being like a weird, like dance challenge thing. Like, it's just kind of like a weird scene. Um, and he like randomly says like, I love you to her and she freaks out. Um, and then right when that happens, there's like a big ambush from the yeah. Sixers cause they're trying to kill them. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of weird. And then he uses this like random Rubik's cube thing that he has to like go back in time 60 yeah. seconds so they could get out of there without being hurt. It's very strange. Yeah, it's 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 a little too fast in my opinion yeah. in the movie because in the book what you get is a little bit more time. So what we find out in the book is Artemis is actually this really famous like gamer that mm-hmm. um, Percival has had a crush on forever, right. and the fact that like he got to meet her was like a big deal. Yeah. So in the book, through a series of you know events in time, they actually start dating and they get to know each other better and they they form a relationship. So in the book, when he says "I love you," it makes a lot more sense. Right. And you're like, okay, yeah. Like, <laughs> I know. I was in the movie. I was like, slow down. <laughs> right. And then this this um, dance party that they actually go to in the book is Ogden's birthday party because they're so yes. famous now he has invited them to to his birthday party the events of the par- party are basically the same they do have the zero gravity dance and the ambush does happen but um yeah a little different a lot less whoa bro yeah, like, like I love you already up. like cool <laughs> yeah well and at the in the movie once he tell says I love you she freaks out and she's like you are a distraction to me yeah <laughs> like I'm trying to get a trillion dollars leave me alone which is what happens in the book which is what every female should say to a guy at one point like, right slow I'm, down. Trying to, I'm trying to get a trillion dollars <laughs> slow your roll right <laughs> but in the movie or in the book sorry um you get the sense that like Artemis doesn't really want to say goodbye but she knows that it's for the best right to separate herself right. from him exactly which is the smart thing to do yes <laughs> Listen, ladies. (laughs) So now we're back in the real world and we see the head of the Sixers um, wants wants to make Wade an offer now. So Sorrento wants to basically make him an offer to come work for him and help them. And he will give them, you know, or they will give him a big chunk of the prize Mm -hmm. if he helps them. I think it's like four million dollars a year if, you know, until he finds the egg and then he'll get twenty five million um, and I kind of love this scene in both the, uh, the book it, and in the, the book and the movie. Mm-hmm. And I love this part because in the book, they talk about how like, 
Parcival's like so nervous during mm-hmm. this whole thing, but he can make his avatar seem just cool and calm and collected yeah. and like, and just so confident. And I was like, man, that's, but that's how people are on the internet. Like totally. there's, everyone's confident. On Everyone hides behind a keyboard and yeah. exactly. But so, cause Sorrento is just, he's so fed up with all of these pop culture references. Cause he's a little bit older, you know, and he's just basically like a corporate a-hole is how Parcival describes him, which he is. Yeah. Uh, but so he ends up, uh, Parcival like, counter offers and he's like yeah okay i'll come work for you guys but they have to fire you like i'm not working for you (laughs) just to be a jerk (laughs) right just to be a jerk um and it kind of goes back in the book they actually like agree to it Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah to to sorrento's dismay the the people or the the heads of ioi are like yeah that's fine we'll we'll give it to you you. (laughs) uh but in the in the movie they go straight to sorrento threatening threatening to blow up where Parcival lives in real life Mm -hmm. and saying like, we're going to, you know, we're going to blow this. We're going to blow up your entire neighborhood if you don't come work for us. And it happens a little bit different in the movie than it does in the book. So in the movie way, it almost happens immediately. Mm -hmm. So Wade is still having this meeting and he's walking out and he's trying to call his aunt Allison to get out and all of a sudden there's just a big explosion mm-hmm. and the stacks and the stacks crumble. crumble. Yeah. Um, in the book, I believe he actually gets home. So in the book, if I'm not mistaken, so correct me if I'm wrong. I think in the book, av- the, both of their avatars meet together, meet each other in the Oasis. Correct. Whereas in the movie, he almost like um, holograms into right. the real world, into Sorrento's office. Um, but yes, in the book, they he they have the confrontation. He threatens and he's like, well, he doesn't like really know where I am or whatever. But he's actually in his hideout when the explosion happens. But yes, a little bit of time goes out, uh, goes by and he's like, well, maybe it was a bluff. Maybe they yeah. were just saying that to scare me. But when he's in his hideout, he hears an explosion. And by that point, I mean, it, it was too late. Yeah. And he actually, you know, he runs to the stacks, but realizes he can't do anything. Yeah. So at this point in the book, he runs away. And this is when he moves to Columbus. Exactly. And so in the movie, though, he run he goes back to his hideout because now he's scared mm-hmm. because he knows that they're really after him. And he ends up getting kidnapped by some guy from yeah. his hideout. And you're like, oh, no, they got him. <laughs> Come to find out it's actually Artemis, who is Samantha in real life. And she actually... Uh, had him kidnapped to protect him. Uh, this isn't how it happens in the, this doesn't happen in the book. Right. Um, but then we find out that in the movie, Artemis is part of this quote unquote rebellion mm-hmm. where they have a group of people who are trying to get to the keys to make sure that the Sixers don't right. get it, which in the book, Artemis is completely by herself. Totally. You know, and, and they're very kind of in the movie, they're kind of almost like hippies. <laughs> like they're like, <laughs> They like have plants and they live very naturally. And it's just, it's kind of strange. Um, But Artemis has this, has this birthmark on her face that she, you know, thought would scare Parsifal Mm. away, which she did have in the, in the book as well. But I thought it was cute that they, they kept that part in. Um, But she actually, she figures out what the second clue is. So while they're there, she's like, I figured it out. So they figured out that, Holiday was actually talking about how he should have take taken the leap of faith with Kira. Mm-hmm. So they needed to find a movie that was connected with Kira and Holiday. So they end up finding out actually 
what movie it was because another part of the clue that they got is that they have to go to a movie where the creator hated the creation. Yes. Which, if you all remember from a few episodes ago, Stephen King hated the creation of the Shining movie. I love so, that little tidbit. Yeah, it was so great. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I, I have OMG in my notes. So we go inside. We're back at the Outlook Hotel and we see the typewriter. So cool. So great. And I love this because H, who's this big burly avatar, is terrified this entire time and it was so funny and then i see those gd twins i'm like can we get the twins out of here like come on i mean they have to be in there i mean i guess but we see the blood from the elevators in there uh the poster that at the end of the shining that where we end up seeing Mm -hmm. jack in the poster now has holiday in the poster and i was like they Genius. did an incredible job. Genius. Yeah. And then we're back in room 237. <laughs> and I'm like, I've never wanted to go back here again. And, Just as scary. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, and it was so funny because boyfriend Ray has not seen The Shining. Mm-hmm. And he's like, who is that naked lady in the bathtub? And I'm like, oh, just wait. (laughs) And the naked lady in the bathtub comes out and is super creepy. So creepy. And then we get the axe. Yeah. You know? Oh, it was so great. And then we get to see the snow maze, the carpets even the same. And then we see Kira in the 20s photos. Mm -hmm. So we're like, all right, here comes the whole Kira part. So then they go into the ballroom, which the ballroom, you know, is very significant in The Shining because that's where... You know, Jack ha- hallucinates a lot right. and and then it actually comes back up in Dr. Sleep. Right. So he goes, they go to the ballroom and there's a bunch of zombies dancing around the ballroom in like 20s gear. And I was like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> and they see Kira and she's dancing around by herself. And so they know they have to get to Kira. So basically they leap to her. And once they get to her, she actually is holding the jade key, mm-hmm. which is the second key. So I was just blown away by this entire like, scene. Like, slow clap for that because um, Steven Spielberg nailed it. Like, nailed it. If I'm St- uh, Stephen King, I'm like, okay, like, you clearly love me because <laughs> the go, ode they should, to my movie. They should let Spielberg go create The Shining again. Yeah, no kidding. Because we all know we need a, a new version. We of the all Shining. need a new version. <laughs> So we see the, I I thought this was hilarious. We now see the Sixers trying to win the shining challenge and everyone is getting freaked out and everyone's like screaming and, and I love that. It was so funny. And, and, and even H is like just terrified, you know, still like just traumatized. So it was just so funny. Uh, but now, you know, even more so now that they have the Jade key, like, they are really trying, the Sixers are really trying to get to the high five. So they end up raiding the rebellion, mm-hmm. you know, and Artemis ends up giving up herself. So, so Parsifal can get away. She's like, one of us has to, has to Keep get going. away. Yeah. And they end up taking her hostage at the IOI Sixers headquarter. At this point, it's like, in the movie, at least, it goes into, like, this is no longer just a video game. Like, this is, like, real life right. stuff. Um, so, yeah. So, that's how they got to the Jade Key. Um, in the movie, in the book, it's very different. Yes. Just like the first time, or the first clue, it's it's very different. So, the once you, once you, once you get past the first 
gate, the clue reads, the captain conceals the jade key in a dwelling long neglected, but you can only blow the whistle once the trophies are all collected. Um, so the jade key basically is located on the planet of Frobos, or Frobos. Um, <laughs> Frobi. Frobi. <laughs> and uh, you have to, um, forget if it's a game or a person, but it's called the Zork. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, um, you have to basically, uh, there's the Voight Camp machine from Blade Runner, which mm-hmm. you mentioned they tried to do Blade Runner as the movie, yeah. but they weren't able to get the rights. Um, and then he has to play something called the Black Tiger. Again, yeah. I'm doing a terrible <laughs> job of explaining this. They go um, really deep into video games. <laughs> yes, very deep. Um, but basically... You he he has to finish that challenge and that's what leads him to um the second gate I guess uh, I don't know did I forget anything in that one <laughs> No that one's a little bit more simple Yeah I feel like. it was pretty like cut and dry So in the movie after this you know now they're they're trying to get away from the Sixers they go they go now and are trying to find the third challenge However in the book before. Before Parcel gets to the third challenge, he stumble upon he stumbles upon a different challenge. Yeah, so as he's looking for, you know, what he's supposed to be finding, he actually stumbles into this this cool arcade um scene. And for whatever reason, he thinks that what um he what he's there for a reason. Like he needs to see this through because something in his gut just tells him he has to. So anyway, long story short, he comes upon um, the arcade and um, there's a place called Happy Time Pizza and there's a Pac-Man game. So the goal of the game is you have to beat the highest score, which was done by Halliday, which is a perfect game. Right. Which <laughs> if you've ever played Pac-Man, that's like literally right. impossible. Um, so anyway, he does end up doing it. He... Um, Something to note at uh, once he gets to the actual game is there's a quarter that's like sitting on top of the game and he can't really like move it or like nothing, you know, he can't touch it or anything. Well, he can touch it, but he can't move it. Um, but when he gets the perfect score, he is able to physically remove the quarter and similar to the movie, throw it into his bank. He doesn't know what it does. He can't really research the properties of it. So he's like, whatever. And he throws it in and forgets about it. So that's something to, that's important, obviously, that we'll get to. Right. So now in the movie, they're trying to figure out like, all right, we got to get away from these guys in real life. So H ends up showing up to help Parsival. And that's when we find out that she's She's a girl. girl. (laughs) And, and I just, I, I, like I said, I love the, the actress who played her. So I thought it was great. And then also Daito is there. Uh, and show is too in real life. They're both there. In the book, however, they don't both make it. No. Um, I believe it's during the third, I think it's a battle for the third key um, that they're going through, you know, the, the challenge or whatever. And um, in order to get away from the Sixers, show ends up sacrificing himself what we come to find out though is yes they only die their avatars only die 
but the Sixers have found him in in real life and ambush him and kill him in real life. They too. throw him out the, the window. Yeah, they basically pretend that he committed suicide. Um, something to know is, I think in the movie, they are brothers, correct? Or are they best friends from the beginning? I can't They remember. say they're best friends, but once we meet them in real life, we find out that they are brothers. So in the movie, they're, or in the book, they're actually best friends. They mm. pretend and play like they're brothers, but they're best friends. So it's like a whole drawn out scene where um, Dido then goes and visits it's Parzival and talks about how he died and all that stuff is really really sad so I'm glad that they didn't kill him off in the movie. right <laughs> well and in the book they all go into hiding like Parzival ends mm-hmm. up going he gets like an apartment by himself mm-hmm. and like locks himself in well yeah he basically once Artemis says see you later I got things to do um he locks himself up because he's like this is my this needs to be my main focus I need to work on getting this this um, Easter egg because right. his whole thing is I cannot let the Sixers win. Right. They can't get this. So it becomes his like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like he eats, sleeps, and breathes <laughs> this game. Side note, there's a part in the book when they talk about how he's gained a bunch of weight mm-hmm. and how he can't fit into his gear or whatever. And so there's like basically an app that he can only go into the Oasis once he's burned so many calories. <laughs> and it also tracks like what he eats yeah. before he can do anything else. And I was like, that is what I need. <laughs> I need someone to physically not let me do anything until I go to the gym. <laughs> I would never. I would just be like, okay, I'm not going to do anything. Then. Yeah. So in an important part to know, you know, right now in the movie is Artemis is captured. Mm-hmm. That is not what happened. She does not get captured in in the book. No. In the book, um, Parsifal actually devises this master plan to get captured so that he can infiltrate the IOI. <laughs> right. This entire part of the book, I was like, yes, I am living for this. Yeah. So yeah, he infiltrates the IOI. Basically, his goal is to become one of these essentially slave people who have to work at IOI to pay off a debt. Um, so he fakes a debt that he's supposed to pay. Well, he changes his identity, so they don't even know it's him. Right, exactly. Um, his whole goal to infiltrate is to gather all of this information into um, a hard drive to be able to manipulate their control over the final challenge. Because at this point in the in the book, the IOI and the Sixers have taken the lead. Right. So now everyone's playing catch up with them so his plan is to infiltrate get information and then manipulate and use that against them to basically um keep them from winning yeah and so that's basically where we're at as well in the movie is that the sixers have now found that third challenge Mm -hmm. and so they're all trying to figure out how to get in because irock has has put this magical spell dome thing Mm -hmm. around them so nobody can physically get in so a little different other than Wade has infiltrated the, the IOI to basically get information. He does the same thing in the, in the movie, but it's to get Artemis back. Right. So then we get this scene where he is now inside of the IOI and they've basically H has like hacked Sorrento's like gaming system rig thing mm-hmm. to make him think that he's actually in the real world when he's not. Yeah. <laughs> he's still in the Oasis. And during this time, they actually find Artemis and they break her out. And then eventually Sorrento figures it out. It's basically like, you know, when people figure out on, 
you know, security cameras, how to just loop the right the feed. <laughs> loop the feed. Um, so I was like, these people are way too smart for me. <laughs> uh, but Artemis sends out a message at this point to the entire Oasis and saying, like, we need everybody's help. Anybody that can come, just please help us because they're about to win. Mm-hmm. And if we don't stop them, they're going to take it over. And this is when H uh, activates her Iron Giants, <laughs> which I thought was great. And it's we get the very end game like scene where everybody shows up. Yep. You know, everyone from Wakanda's there. Everyone <laughs> from every movie that Marvel has ever made. Right. Uh, so, but yeah, there's so many different Easter eggs in this scene because everyone starts popping. This is where the Ninja Turtles come in. <laughs> and Artemis is able to log in because she's still... She decides to stay at in the IOI to so she can, you know, hack everything right. while she's in there. And she's able to get into where the force field is being held to be able to take that down. So they're fine. So they're, they're, there's this big, like, battle scene. Everyone's fighting. That Everyone's cool. Yeah, it was a really awesome scene, especially if you're able to pick out all the little details. Uh, but at this point... The IOI has now figured out because the final challenge in the movie is they have to beat this game. And they're basically on this like kind of like iceberg type thing. Mm -hmm. And when you die, you fall through the ice. (laughs) I love that it was just a little like game console with the TV and they just have to like stand in front of it. It looks like the TV they rolled out in school, you know, for movie day. (laughs) But so you just see like a line of these Sixers, you know, just trying to play the game. And they figured out that the game that they have to play is adventure. So at this point, they end up breaking down the force field. And, you know, there's even a bigger battle because now everybody's involved with it there's a, even a chucky doll at, <laughs> at one point and then freaking sorrento ends up i i thought it was reptar for a second from the rugrats but it wasn't it was mega god mega godzilla or whatever <laughs> and i was like i guess it literally looks like reptar um and then daito goes into this anime character and sacrifices himself and there's just a lot going on all at once. And Sorrento is looking for, for Artemis inside in real life. Mm-hmm. Cause he's finally figuring out like she's somewhere in here. And when they're in the Oasis, Parsifal ends up actually shooting Artemis. So she dies so she can get out of there right. in real Her life. Avatar dies, yeah. Her avatar dies. So it's just like this whole like dual reality yeah, scene going hard on. Hard to keep up. <laughs> yeah. And Wade knows how to win this game. He knows how to win the game. And he's just like, I got to get to it. I have to get to it. So that's kind of how we are introduced to the third challenge in this big battle. Happens obviously a little bit differently in the book. Yeah, the battle does end up happening, um, but kind of how they get there is a little different. So the third and final or the third clue is we are the priests of the temples of Syrinx. Our great computers fill the hallowed halls. We are the priests of the temple of Syrinx. All the gifts of life are held within our walls. Um, Basically, his his he he uses the album or the yeah, the album 2112 from Rush to figure out that this third key is on the planet of megadon um again what (laughs) um and then the third gate which is similar to the movie is at the castle anorak he at some point has to go through monty python and the holy grail and it's it's super cool because it's a literal like you have to memorize the 
the script from the movie, like word for word in order to make your way through the game, um, which I thought that was really cool. Uh, and then eventually, again, I'm, I'm skipping over some stuff, but the the end goal is to play the game of adventure mm-hmm. and that's kind of where we were at in the in the book as well they do have that giant battle um all of them have these really cool robot like yeah you know similar like, to how the movie is which i transformer thought was really cool. style yeah i'm really glad they kept that in the movie because i was like this is super cool when well I was reading it. and in the book one of the during one of the challenges once you won it you got to pick like a tiny mm-hmm. robot yeah and that became your robot to have in the yeah. oasis Super which I cool. thought was I was bummed they didn't put that in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um so in the so while this battle is going on, the Sixers actually win the game of adventure and they're like, "Oh my gosh, we just did it." And then the guy falls through yep. through the ice. So you're like, "Okay, so there's something else in there." So during this final scene of Parsifal and Sorrento fighting, it's like this final fight from street fighter <laughs> and boyfriend Ray was geeking out completely. <laughs> dirt. He, he literally was doing like the actions and the sound. Noise. I was like, yeah, who are you? <laughs> you are a nerd. <laughs> uh, but we get to find out that Sorrento has this bomb basically that will kill everybody's avatar. It basically will reset everybody back to zero yep. and he detonates it. And everybody dies in in the Oasis. Everyone's avatars die. And then all of a sudden you see Parsifal is still there because the coin that he got (laughs) is an extra life coin. And I'm like, I need one of those in my back pocket. And basically they end up broadcasting and watching Wade play this final key in, in adventure. Come to find out that winning the game is not what the goal is. So the creator of adventure was the very first person to ever put a, an Easter egg inside of the game. Mm -hmm. Backstory in real life is because he, the creator wasn't getting credit. His name was not getting credit for the game. And so he hid his name inside of the movie or inside of the the game. So people had to go and try to find that. So the goal of, to get to this last key is to find the Easter egg within this. So to win, you need to lose. Right. And so that is how they get it. Parcival does it. He gets the final crystal key and he finds the Easter egg. And he's, he's sitting there shaking because they're in real life. They're like driving around to get away from everybody. That's and he, right. he like can't steady his hand to get into the key. That was super funny. So they've won. Everyone's like, the game's over. He won. He got the crystal key. And he's about, he gets, he's basically in Holiday's, you know, his office and he's just about to sign the contract and he's like, no, like this is a test. This is what you did with your partner that you didn't want to do. Mm -hmm. And it's the very Charlie and the chocolate factory moment (laughs) where it's like, he just wants him to put the ever loving gobstopper lasting gobstopper back on the desk. Like that's what you got to do. And so then it reverts him back into Halliday's childhood home. And then we get to find out kind of a little bit more backstory on how he was as a kid. And he basically just starts telling Parsifal about the Oasis. And he's like, there's this big red button here that will, literally kill everything so don't <laughs> touch that unless you have to because it will end the yeah. oasis and the accident like trips towards it. and i was like oh, <laughs> please don't uh so that's kind of how 
the whole thing kind of sums up how he ends up winning the game. It happens quite a bit differently in the book. Yeah. So once um, Parsifal infiltrates uh, IOI and then escapes, um, he gets word from none other than Ogden, who basically tells him, um, uh, come to Oregon. Uh, you and all your friends can come here and finish out the game here in in under my safety. Um, so this is how we meet H for the first time in the book because he he slash she goes to pick him up so that they can go to go fly to Oregon. So anyway, they get to Oregon. Uh, Ogden has this cool setup created where each of them have their own little pod that they can you know finish out the game in. Um, what we find out in the book though is. This, there's a final clue that reads, The first was ringed in red metal, the second in green stone, the third is clearest crystal, and cannot be unlocked alone. Basically insinuating that you need three of these keys to actually unlock the final um, gate. So, same thing happens as in the movie where... You know, Sorrento uses the bomb to kill everybody. Same thing, he's, he has the extra life coin. So... Something cool that happens in in the book is they essentially come to him in through his headset mm-hmm. and they the rest of the team help him get through the different stages to get to the final. Yes. So I thought that was really cool. They do still uh, broadcast it to everybody mm-hmm. so everyone can watch it. Um, that all happens. But the, the key difference is what we realize is they, they, they at the end of the day, they needed each other to actually win this right. game. Nobody could have done it all by themselves. Exactly. So I thought that was really, really cool. So now in the movie, we're back in the stacks. Miss Gilmore does survive. Thank goodness. She does ex- survive in the movie. She did not survive no, in the book, which was, was sad. sad. Uh, and Wade gets the, you know, he had gotten the egg from, you know, from Halliday. So they're, they're like, great. We've won. We won. Well, Sorrento in real life, is a is shows up and is mm-hmm. like no like I'm taking over <laughs> this is still mine um and he's just about to shoot Wade in you know Wade Percival in real life and he gets mesmerized by the egg like he's just like he's like Gollum to the ring yeah exactly <laughs> and then the police show up and he gets arrested mm-hmm. <laughs> so and this is actually where Ogden Morrow shows up we don't get any of that interaction that you just described in the movie mm-hmm. he in the in the movie he's like kind of a mystique like he's still alive but no one has heard from him right. in years he is not really made much comment about you know the game and everything uh, but he does you know, he does show up there when they win and he tells, he tells Parsifal to, you know, take the leap and, and he, to kiss Artemis. Like, Mm -hmm. don't let her, you know, get, get away from her or get away from him. And he ends up splitting the winnings with the high five. So they all kind of take over together and come to find out that, Ogden Morrow was actually the curator who gave him the extra life. That was so great. So I (laughs) love that it was, he was still very much a part of this. And it was very much like, even though him and Halliday, like 
had their differences, yeah. they still, that was still their, the Oasis was still their baby and they didn't want anyone to take it away right. from them. And, but they knew that they couldn't inter they couldn't interfere with the game, but they could do things that could help them right. along the way. Uh, and they decided at the very end, you know, one of the things that they're going to do with the Oasis is two days a week, they completely close it. They want everyone to live in the real world for at least two days. Um, and that reality is only the thing that is real. Mm-hmm. And that's how the movie ends. And yeah, so the book is pretty much along those same lines. They actually, I believe, kill Sorrento in the book in, in the Oasis. Yes. Um, and then he he gets the egg and he wins and everything. He does come out. He also says that he wants to split the, the earnings with his friends. So cool. Cool for him. But <laughs> Well, a tr- half a trillion is still a lot. <laughs> yes, I can only imagine. Um, and then once he, you know, comes out of the Oasis, he's technically still at Ogden's house where all mm-hmm. of the other um, contestants are. At this point, he had yet to meet Artemis in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, so finally, uh, he gets out and he's like, he asks Ogden, like, where is she? And he's like, she's waiting for you. So he, you know, goes up to the terrace or whatever. And the way that the book ends, in my opinion, he, the line reads something along the lines of like, this is the first time that reality is better than, you know, being in the mm-hmm. Oasis. To, to me, that sounds like he really does want to shut it down. Yeah. So I felt like that was a little different than the book or the, than the movie. Um, but again, we do get a Ready Player Two. So my right. guess is that he probably didn't shut it down. But I really liked that, that finally he found something in real life that was worth coming out of the oasis for yeah. and and you know living his actual life mm-hmm. for so that's how the book ends so when we have to talk about did the movie stay true to the book the fact that these were basically put out along the same lines you could almost vice versa that yeah <laughs> you know i mean we have to go you know did the movie stay true to the book in terms of theme and the whole plot yeah sure mm-hmm it did. Did a lot, a lot change? Yes. Yeah, it did. He, uh, he basically, Spielberg changed the entire way to win the game. Right. Aside from adventure. <laughs> right. So, I mean, yes and no. I, I do think this is another instance where the book and the movie separately are great. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to compare them, even yeah. though they're the same story. Yeah. Uh, so, but would you buy the book or would you buy the movie ticket? So, I'm actually going to go with the book. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, considering a lot of the references went way over my head. Well, they changed a lot of the references. They changed, you know, the book is heavily 80s referenced. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they used a lot more of the more recent ones yes. in the movie, I think, probably to not totally lose their audience. Well, yeah, this movie was, what, 2018? Yeah. Yeah, so it makes sense. Um, with the exception of the incredible Shining right. scene, I liked the the progression of the book way more than the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, still, like you said, a very well-made movie, um, but I, I think I got a little bit more from the book. I'm going to agree with everything you just said. Oh, wow. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this book. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed reading every minute of yeah. it. And and that that says a lot for me because <laughs> half the time I'm like, can we be done? Right. <laughs> I just, I loved everything about it. Mm-hmm. Just, I would reread this book. and So I don't know how you felt, but reading this book was 
very similar to the first time I read The Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying that they are very alike yeah. whatsoever, but just that like feeling of like com- competition and like mm-hmm. survival and all that stuff. Yep. Like I got that same kind of adrenaline yeah. that I, I I got from The Hunger Games. So I really liked well, this book. Well, and in the book, I mean, think about how visually complex the movie is. Mm-hmm. The book does it in such a way where you can you visualize it totally and it's amazing so i love the movie but i gotta go with the book as well nice all right that's it for this one make sure to hit subscribe on your podcast app if you're listening on apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a rating and leave us a review you can follow us on instagram twitter and facebook at the movie girls you can also email us at the movie girls at gmail.com and as we mentioned earlier we are on patreon we've got a couple of levels for you our rom-com level which is our two dollar level gets you the episodes at least 24 hours in advance you also get access to our karen reviews Then we've got our drama level, which is our $3 level. You get everything I already mentioned. You also get a sticker for joining. You get a shout out, similar to what we did earlier. And then you get access to our after credits party episodes. All of the things. All the things. (laughs) All boobies all the time. (laughs) And you can become a patron just by going to patreon.com forward slash the boobie girls. So next, we are doing the, I guess you could say classic. Mm -hmm. The Giver. It's on, like, everybody's list of books you have to read. So, yeah. And I think I missed this year of school or something because everyone seems to have read this in school. <laughs> I hadn't I, either. I did not. No, I hadn't either. Um, so, yeah. So, we're going to, you know, go from this new age movie to a very old age movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. And remember, don't judge a book by its movie. Hi. Hi.